Good weekend. We started Friday night with Acoustic Cafe, had a huge crowd uh, for Acoustic Cafe Friday night. Remember, that's the third Friday of every month. Uh, we like to say the best live music venue in Culpeper, and uh, so it's good for that. And then Saturday morning, we started with a men's breakfast. Uh, then we had senior adult food delivery. And then we had a bunch of people go snow tubing uh, yesterday afternoon and got back yesterday evening. And now here we are together today. So uh, a lot of things that are happening. I hope you're connecting to some of them and getting to know some folks as well. This morning, we're going to be led by our youth band. We call them the Converge Band. Uh, let me make some introductions. Over here is Ian. Uh, Ian is active at St. Stephen's Episcopal and has been a part of Converge from the beginning, along with Brogan, who's back there on the drums. Brogan, you all know, he is our five tool of everything. He plays drums. He plays guitar. He runs the tech team, and he's also been with Converge uh, from the beginning. Sandra's over here uh, to my left and is always good about coming and sharing and committing to help with vocals. And then Danny is right behind me. Danny is our youth intern, and she's going to lead us this morning. So let's stand together, and they're going to lead us in the song Freedom.
from being young to some of you starting to feel really old in the next little bit here. Uh, this year is our 250th anniversary, and throughout the year, we're going to be bringing back some of our folks who grew up here, who kind of launched from here, and I'm so excited that Rob Fox is the first one this year that's going to join us. Uh, Rob, uh, yeah. Rob graduated from Culpeper County High School, was a summer youth worker here at our church. He is married to Krista. They have two children that are in college. Rob's grandmother, Goldie, lives at a place that I do a monthly Bible study at. And I know I need to get there early because I like to get there early, but I need to get there early because every month Goldie's going to have some new pictures of Rob and the family and tell me how great they are. And I got to listen for a few minutes. Uh, so that's my monthly experience of uh, of, uh, of Rob's work, but thank you for coming back today. Welcome back, and he's going to just share what's going on. Thank you, thank Dan. Thank you for your ministry that, to Goldie there. She does, she does enjoy visiting and showing photos. That, that is true. Well, Culpeper Baptist, wow, this is amazing. Happy anniversary to you. Uh, it's great to be back. As, uh, as Dan was saying, this is, uh, this is incredible. There's a few things that are different and lots of great improvements, but uh, I'm really excited to be here with you. So, um, Danny, are you the worship leader? Yes. Hey, I want to say you guys have done a lot better over the years with youth interns. You've really uh, in, in improved. You've got much more uh, better talent in place and all those kind of things. So, yeah. Well, um, Again, great to be back. I, I'm not sure how you all look the same, but I look so different. It, but it just, I guess it just happens. But Dan asked me if I'd come today on this 25th anniversary year, kind of kick this off, and uh, share a little bit about what I've been doing over the past 25 years. So in light of that, I'd like to begin with a word of Scripture that I think is going to be very familiar to both, uh, all of you all. Uh, but I ask you to hear it again fresh with some new ears on this anniversary. It's from Philippians 1, uh, verses 3 through 6. So I invite you to hear the word of the Lord. This is Paul writing to one of his favorite churches, which i got to say you're one of my favorites. 
Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And all God's people said to that, amen. So Dan, like, what, what have I been doing? since you all ordained me right in this holy space, holy ground, on September 1999, which was 25 years ago, folks. Well, I've done a few things. Dan mentioned a couple, but let me, let me give you the quick highlight reel here. The best thing that God opened up for me was I married Krista Youngblood of Kansas City, Missouri, Holmeswood Baptist, if you're aware, on October 16, 1999. And as Dan mentioned, we have two grown children, our daughter Ashton. She is a senior at James Madison University. Go Dukes. Any Dukes in the room? Uh, and then our son Bryson, who is a freshman at Christopher Newport University. Go Captains. Thank you. So this year, you all celebrate 250 years, and Krista and I celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. And Krista would tell you it's been the best 22 years of her life. <laughs> Thanks. You all are... Whew. I was a little worried, Dan. I didn't think they were away. I've also served as administrator in two seminaries, a bivocational pastor for 11 years at a small congregation named Mount Hermon Baptist in Caroline County. I've been a denominational leader, and now I'm president of Church Benefits Board, a retirement and insurance benefits provider for thousands of ministers and missionaries across the world. And this year, folks, this is a great year. Because in November of this year, I'll turn 50 years old. Finally going to get all that respect I've been waiting for all my life. But I often ask myself, where did the time go, right? How did I get here? And that's when I go back to this text from Philippians. And I thank my God every time I remember, remember you. Because you see, what I've learned over almost 50 years is that no man or woman is an island. We're not. None of us get where we're going on our own. We are this tapestry of relationships. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And you are those witnesses for me today. And that's what I want to share with you a little bit about. Maybe you're wondering. So, so. What is it I remember about Culpeper Baptist? I just want to share a few memories with you here today. First, it was the summer of 1993. Some of you were around then. You all gave me a job, but more importantly, you gave me a chance. It was my freshman year in college, what was then Mary Washington College, now University of Mary Washington, and you actually paid me to be your summer youth minister. You paid me to do this. Each summer I returned home from college here to Culpeper and you allowed me to serve in that role. You even went so far one year after we made a big stink, you bought a church bus so that we could take kids all around to the mountaintops, camp and such. You believed in me. You gave me my start. Thank you. Then it was time for me to go to seminary and you supported that calling. Culpeper Baptist paid for me, all expense paid trip to Texas. 
There were two seminaries there that I visited, along with the Dr. Pepper Museum, nice barbecue place, had some Tex-Mex. But I returned home to the Commonwealth and to Culpeper with great clarity. And it was this. I was not called to go to Texas. I was called to go to the Baptist Theological Seminary at Richmond, first as a divinity student, then as director of admissions, then as vice president of advancement. You see, your investment in me shaped that path of ministry. And finally, you all modeled for me what professional and healthy ministry looked like. I can't name all the ministers who shaped me because I'd forget some and somebody's going to complain on Facebook about it probably. But I do want to mention one, and it's Dr. Burt Browning. How many of you all remember Burt? A few. He's going to be here later. That's what I hear. Burt was the first pastor I served with, first full-time pastor. He had a beautiful office. It was downstairs then, uh, surrounded with books. He had a rocking chair from the William and Mary College. And I thought, wow, I said, this is the kind of minister I want to be. It was early in my ministry, Bert was talking to a fellow pastor, and I overheard him. Uh, he was talking about me, and he said, you know that Rob Fox? He is a diamond in the rough. Huh, diamond in the rough. Bert's words stuck with me. And although today I feel like I'm still a little rough around the edges... It's clergy like that and lay leaders like you all who've helped polish me along the way. I'll be forever grateful. And finally, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, Sunday, September 26, 1999, you all ordained me. It was right here in this very room. You gave me a big Bible, my name engraved on it. You laid hands on me, you prayed for me, you gave me an ordination certificate signed by the likes of Lanny Horton, Jimmy Durham, Joanne Bloomer, and Kathleen Lesore. Mentors and saints of this church. My wife Krista sang, we're standing on holy ground. And folks, I sat in this sanctuary and cried like I've never cried in my entire life. Because you all had raised me, and at that moment you were sending me. Precious memories, how they linger. But I got to ask you today, before I take my seat, the question for you is, now what? You're 250 years young, Culpeper Baptist. You're just getting started. Who is it that is that diamond in the rough that's here today? Who's the one being called to serve in this community and in ways they may have never asked for or imagined? Is that somebody you? Maybe. I don't know, but what I do know is this. God says, I have plans for you. I've got hopes and plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. May it be so. Congratulations. Will you pray with me? Oh, good and gracious God, thank you for allowing me to be back upon this holy ground. For all those who have stood around me, laid hands on me, and sent me out to places of ministry because it's in those most difficult times when we remember a community just like this. And God, may each of these people feel their own call 
renewed and encouraged today as we step out to serve you. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. We are still in February, and it had been fun to celebrate so far this year, our 250th. We've got a year uh, of celebration to do, and just really grateful for Rob being with us today. I want to invite your attention this morning to the 15th chapter of Luke as we continue our series on Jesus for everyone. And uh, I'm going to stay in the front part of the 15th chapter. Obviously, this is probably one of the more familiar chapters to all of us of the Bible. Um, And maybe you stay devotionally in it this week. But today I want to read beginning with verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, There will be rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. 15th chapter of Luke tells us about lostness. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And Jesus is telling these stories in the context of talking about the life he has to offer us. And we talked about this last week. Jesus said it's, it's a life that has a cost. And I, and I want you to count the cost before you become my disciple. Don't, don't build a house without enough money to get past the foundation. Don't, don't go out to war against an army of 10,000 if you only have 5,000. And so you need to count the cost. You need to consider what is nearest and dearest to you, whether plans or people, and weigh that against, against what I'm asking you to do to be my disciple. Count the cost of the life I'm offering you. And Jesus says it costs everything to be his disciple. And that's challenging and needs to daily challenge us. But he also said there's a kingdom result for that. When you follow me, life will be like an eternal party. Instead of weeping and gnashing of teeth and being left out. And life will be like a well-nurtured, protected sheep instead of a lost, hungry, and dying sheep. Life will be like a spendable coin instead of a lost coin that is worthless. It's a celebrating, joyful child in the house as opposed to a starving, lonely, estranged child out in a pig pen. Jesus says, count the cost, but this is the life I'm offering you. C.S. Lewis declared, if you live for the next world, you get this one in the deal. But if you only live for this world, you end up losing both. And in the 15th chapter, Luke tells us that 
there are two groups of people, and, and don't lose sight of who he's talking to in this chapter. There, there's tax collectors and sinners on, on one side, and there's Pharisees and scribes and religious folks on the other side. And, and when we start this conversation not knowing everything we know now, we, we think, well, well, this is a good mix of people. There are sinners and crooks that are coming to be around Jesus and hear his teaching. And right beside them are the good religious people who can encourage them and help them come to know all that Jesus has to offer. But that's not what's happening. The religious folks are complaining. And we think, well, how could they be complaining? Well, listen to their complaint. This supposed teacher sent from God is hanging out with those folks, welcoming and accepting sinners. And this whole series, we've been trying to make Luke's point that Jesus came for everyone. That was the thing that blew their minds. Remember in Luke 14, Jesus, uh, God wants a full house for the banquet, so the servants commanded to go out and just compel people to come to the feast. God doesn't want people to be lost. That's what Jesus is about. That's why he came. And the religious folks just can't get there. They can't see it. And so they're complaining. Those two groups still seem to be fairly prevalent in our culture. Religious folks who, who feel like we got everything figured out and we're good in this world and we're certainly good with God. And then the other folks who us religious folks are pretty convinced are not good in this world and are not good with God. And we still seem to divide the world this way. Leonard Sweet wrote, when the practice of your Christianity leads to the diminishment of someone else's humanity, it's not Jesus' Christianity. And I think we have to confess that, that at a minimum, that other group, at least through perception, feel like they have been diminished by the people of God. And sometimes they really didn't have to perceive it. They experienced it. And so Jesus addresses this problem, this challenge in this parable. And he's telling the religious folks, this is how much I care for the lost. And this is what I'm willing to do to go find them. And if you're going to be with me, this is what we do. You know, and sometimes I think we, we have this perception that, that Jesus came like a baseball scout into the world, and pitchers and catchers report it this week. It's the best time of year, right? But that Jesus came as come, some kind of scout, and he was just looking around to see who had the 100-mile-an-hour fastball, who had power from both sides, and all that kinds of stuff. That he was out just looking for redeemable people or rewardable people who needed rewarding or correctable people who just needed a little correcting or instructable people who needed some instructing. And that that's what Jesus's mission was. But, but Jesus comes and says, I've come for those who have nothing who are spiritually 
bankrupt, who are lost. And that upset the religious folks of Jesus' day. They had bought into a system, and, and I get it. They had bought into a system where they said, what we've decided about God is right. What we decide God wants from us is right. And that's what we do. And that's what these other people need to be doing. And we might use different words for that. But it's still pretty common for us to say, you know what? I'm doing the best I can, and and God's pretty happy with me. But when you look over there... Not so sure that's the case with those people. It's the attitude of the religious leader who prayed in Jesus' day. <clears throat> I, don't, I do this, and I do that, and I don't do those things. <clears throat> and Jesus, I know you are glad that I'm on your team. And we, we kind of live that way. And Jesus is really trying to help us understand that we are spiritually bankrupt. Thank you. (laughs) That we don't have what it takes to get to God. And and, and we've got to get this point to to understand how he cares about lost people. Isaiah wrote this in Isaiah 64, 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean in all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Jesus is saying, you don't have what it takes. None of us do. And yet Jesus came to demonstrate grace and truth and love and forgiveness. And here's the great truth of the gospel. Jesus does all of this And sometimes we miss this. Jesus does all of this. He comes to us because he finds joy in finding us. That's what he's trying to tell us in the 15th chapter of Luke. He doesn't do this as some kind of, well, I guess I better go do something to get these people straight. He finds joy in finding us. A shepherd finding a lost sheep, a woman finding a lost coin, a father finding his lost son. It's joy. It's a party when people are found. And I don't want us to lose the context of where we are in Luke's story of Jesus. Jesus has not called some big evangelistic rally and said, get all your lost people around me. Jesus is just talking to religious people. And he's telling them, the religious folks, there really is joy in being found. And you religious folks need to be found. That's who he's talking to. And there's something in all of us that wants to be found by Jesus. Not to just settle for being religious, but being found. To to stop playing the game, look how good I am, God. Notice me, God. I'm doing what you asked me to do. 
And the testimony of the Bible and the testimony of human history is there's never joy in living like that because our righteousness will always end up like filthy rags. But there's joy in being found. There's joy in the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ. We're not saved by the teachings of Jesus Christ. We're not saved by what we think are the teachings of Jesus Christ. We are only saved by Jesus Christ. And that's what makes confession of sin very different. We so often fall into this kind of narrative. Lord, Lord, I made a mistake. I'll do better. I'm never going to do that again. And you can forgive me this time because this is it. There's no more after this. And and then we kind of do rinse and repeat for the rest of our lives. But that's not the kingdom of God. That's not the invitation God gives us. The invitation of the kingdom of God is, is saying, Lord, I'm lost. And I can't manage my way out of this. I can't talk my way into you saving me. I can't earn it by making charitable contributions. I can't do enough good things to make my life right. What I can do is recognize that you found me, that you love me, and that you can forgive me. And my whole part in that is to receive the gift of salvation. To, to, to be found and to recognize the joy that God has in Jesus Christ when he finds us. And it's Christ who saves us and redeems us. And so in this series, I want to make sure we're pretty clear on two things. One is that we religious folks who get spoken to a whole lot by Jesus throughout his Gospels, that we religious folks have had an encounter with the one who finds joy in finding us. That we're still not trying to make this life work with all of our religiousness that we're so good at doing. So have we been found? Have we been found by the one who loves us and finds joy in knowing us? Have you had that experience? I want to make sure as we think about going out and being for everyone and that that we understand that that we got to cross that bridge first. We got to be found. And then the second thing that I want us to see in this series is the joy in helping others be found. Some of us read this story of the lost sheep And we say, you know, that's not really any way to run a sheep business. You would never leave 99 and put them at risk to go find one. But Jesus is not teaching a class on how to be a shepherd. He's telling us that his focus is on lost people. And so he will leave 99 that are saved to go find one that is lost. And that needs to be more a part of our lives. If we're going to be for everyone, then there should be regular times in our lives 
and in our church where we leave some folks while we build relationships with other folks, right? And yet what we tend to do is make an idol of our 99 and say, boy, we're going we're to spend all our time with that. And, and I get it. We're comfortable here. It's, it's common. We love these folks. So we hang out with our 99. And we intend to get to the one. We just never do. Jesus left 99. If you watch his life and his ministry, he kind of consistently does this to go find one. And when we think about Jesus leaving, this is what he said in John 6, 38, for, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the one of him who sent me. He was always going to leave 99 to go to one. He left heaven to come find us. And so can I ask us to do the very challenging work asking this question in our groups, in our ministry areas, who's leaving here to go find the one? When's the last time that happened in your group and your ministry area? Oh, so, so-and-so's not with us anymore because they left here to go build relationships there. A few years ago, I, I got to meet with a guy through another relationship I have who has been a very successful medical person. Um, and I couldn't explain to you what he does because I'm not smart enough, but he invented some stuff. Um, and that's made a whole lot of money. And I'll take any opportunity I can have to just hang out with people who have a whole lot of money. I just kind of like doing that. Um, <laughs> And you all heard me say this before. I'm always kind of looking for the story under the story. And so, you know, I was just kind of asking him uh, who he was. And obviously he knew I was a pastor. And, uh, and he said this to me. He said, you know, um, I was the summer youth guy at, at my church in college. And um, he, he said, and, and they asked me to, to go, go develop a youth ministry, go find teenagers. And he said, and I I went and did what they asked me to do, but I found the teenagers they didn't want to find. And, and I get what he was saying. And, and I'm glad he went to the medical field because he's made a huge impact on people's lives through some of the things he and another guy have invented. But, but I wonder on this day when we, we're kind of celebrating Rob being with us, have, have we just missed some people? Because we were pretty convinced we knew who the ones were. And if they didn't look like who we thought they should look like, we just couldn't make it. Who's leaving here to go find the one? And do we realize that's where the joy is? There's joy in being found by Jesus. But there's joy in helping others be found by Jesus. And that means we're going to be four people again. I shared a little bit of a quote from Leonard Sweet earlier in this message. Let me share the rest of that quote. 
people of God must decide whether Christianity is going to be a religion against some humans and for other humans or faith for all humanity. This does not mean anything goes, but it does mean everyone feels invited. The Jesus gospel is a gospel for humanity. Amazing grace is a hymn to humanity. Well, what does that look like? Well, I think just some, some basic things. We welcome. We welcome. Jesus welcomes sinners. I'm so sad that that word has become so loaded in church context. We just welcome people. That, that's who we are. It's who Jesus created us to be. And so do we look at sinners with disdain like the Pharisees did? Or do we welcome people? We need to build relationships with folks not like us. And then we seek. In Luke 15 and throughout the New Testament, there's this common theme. We're going to go seek that which is lost. Not only do we welcome sinners, but we actually go out and try to find a few of them and go seek them. God goes to great effort to seek the lost. That's his deal. And then we celebrate, right? Because sometimes that welcoming and that seeking thing can get a little tricky. And so we're going to celebrate. Celebrations are all over Luke 15 because the lost has returned. Not because the religious group grew, but because the lost were found. The dead came to life. And too often in our world, we celebrate Christian victories in a culture war, but we don't celebrate people coming to life and being found. And that's got to change. Welcome, seek, and celebrate. I am having such a great time being the pastor of this church in this 250th year. This past week, I had a chance to talk with Bill Kale. Uh, Bill is the son of Dr. Frank Kale, and Dr. Kale served as our pastor from 1947 to 1957. And some of us who think, boy, things are moving quickly around here now, you have no idea. Uh, Dr. Kale moved the church from Davis Street here, started the Child Development Center. Things were moving quick then. But Bill has sent me some of the things he wrote about his dad. And one of those things I felt fit really well with what we were talking about today. So, and I also shared it Wednesday night. But let me, let me quote Bill, Bill Kale. I often heard my father say that we must not be mean for Jesus or beat people over the head with the Bible. That it was far more important in his mind to obey the great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, first and foremost, and then the great commission. That's a great word. If we could follow the lead of our former pastor, our relationships would change and this community would change. 
So here are my closing questions today. Who are you leaving to go find the one? How are you actively doing that? And then the second one, have you been found? Have you been found by the one who loves you, wants to forgive you, wants to bring you life that is an eternal party, that is a celebration of his work? Will you pray with me? Father, we are thankful that you found us. We're thankful that you celebrate when you find us, that it's not some begrudging task that you do. We thank you for the privilege of being your children. And Lord, we thank you for the model that we should regularly be leaving here to go somewhere to help find the one. And Lord, I'm guessing some of us don't have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to figure out who our one is. Somebody is clearly in our heart and our mind right now. And maybe we need your help most of all in, in terms of how to build the relationship, how to, how to share words of encouragement and hope and love. And so Lord, help us to do your good work. Help us to be willing to leave the one to leave the 99 to go find the one. Lord, we thank you for the joy that is ours in being your people. In your name we pray. Amen. We invite you now to stand and, and sing with the youth band. We're going to sing Build My Life. And if you'd like to talk more about what God's doing in your life or in your ministry or in your opportunities to go find one, I'd love to have that conversation with you. Uh, later today or this week, please reach out. Let's stand together now and sing Build My Life.
seated and let me share some announcements. I realize not everybody might know everything about Danny, and not that I know everything about Danny, but I want to make sure you know who she is. We hired her last summer as our youth intern. Uh, she sent me, and that includes everybody currently on our staff, she sent me the best cover letter and resume I've ever seen in my life. She is 19 years old. Uh, she is a junior in college. Let that age and that academic status um, hit you. Uh, she is an online student at Liberty University. She works full-time at Jersey Mike's. Uh, she lives in Stafford. And here are the things that I really like. She's always early for everything we ask her to do, and she's always prepared. Uh, she's an amazing young woman, and I'm grateful that she's with us right now. And I hope whoever's planning the 275th anniversary will remember to trace, ch chase her down and get her back, because uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more from her. Flowers today are given in loving memory of Elsa Williamson by her husband, Gil, and their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And many of you all will remember Elsa and what a delight she was to our congregation and grateful to Gil and the family for the flowers. This week, this is one of our Wednesday nights. We've gone back to back to back on Wednesday night because we did the special Valentine's one. Uh, this Wednesday night, we have something for everybody, children through adults. Uh, we hope you come. Uh, it's one of our better dinners, too. We really like this one. It's really helpful to us if you tell us you're coming for dinner. Uh, so you can do that through the church office or on the website. But uh, come and be a part of our Wednesday night activities starting at 545. And while it's a very cold morning, we do need you to be thinking about the summer. We have two trips coming up this summer. Uh, Passport Kids uh, are going to Eagle in June, and we need you to sign up by March 1st. That's, through third, that's for third through fifth graders. And then Fuge, our teenagers are going back to James Madison University also in June. We just need you to sign up by March 1st to tell me that you're going or tell Janine and Marie that you're going so we can get ready for a great uh, summer trip. So keep that on your radar and let us know as soon as you can. Thanks for being here this morning. Let's pray together before we go. God, again, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the joy that is ours in knowing you. Help us to find your joy as we go out and seek those that you have called us to reach in your name. Lord, thank you for the conversations we'll have as we do that good work. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.